That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. What's up? Thanks for tuning in today. Much love to humans for the intro. Loving it, digging it. We have Erica Spiegelman joining the show today. And uh, Erica is addiction, an addiction and wellness specialist, motivational speaker. She's an author. Uh, her book, Rewired, A Bold New Approach to Addiction and Recovery, uh, came out in April 2015. And uh, it's a, a great resource. Um, it really explores kind of choosing your own path and your own way, um, in recovery. And that's mind, body, and spirit. Um, Erica is also the founder of ericaspiegelman.com. It's a multimedia health platform and blog, and also created and host rewired radio, which, we, which, uh, she was gracious enough to feature myself on a couple weeks back. And we had a great time chatting and, uh, it's really great to have her on today. She's got a lot of great knowledge and, uh, um, you know, both professionally and personally, uh, she's been through it herself uh, in in recovery for nine years, I believe. And uh, she talks a little bit about her personal life and about what that was like before, uh, what her life was like before uh, cleaning up and, and getting sober. And then uh, also shares a bit about what she's up to today and uh, how she's able to uh, give back to the community of, uh, of people in recovery and um, people all around, actually, that are looking to uh, to make some changes in their life. So we're going to get to our interview in just a minute. First, a word from our sponsor. At Foundations Recovery Network, our mission is to create lifetime relationships for long-term recovery. In our history of doing good is the promise of your future getting better. So if you or someone you love needs help, please know we are here to help. And the sign on our door says, we care. We create an individualized treatment plan for the whole person, for the whole you, because to us, you matter. The first step to recovery is heroic. We know that. And with our Heroes in Recovery movement, we honor those who have taken that step toward recovery and stand up for you and stand beside you and stand together to break the stigma placed on addiction. Call our confidential and private line at 877-714-1318. We are here to help you. And help has a phone number, 877-714-1318. Make the call. We're listening. We're Foundations Recovery Network. Thanks to Foundations for supporting the show. Now go to thatsoberguy.com and check out all the free content on there, six quick tips to quit drinking, a guide that I put together. It's not going to save your ass. You still got to put the work in. It's just something that I kind of threw together to uh, to give you an idea of um, of where to start, some things that work for me to help get me on the right track uh, down a, a path to recovery and changing my life. Um, also, if you want to support the show, you can do that by leaving us a review on iTunes you can also do that by donating to the show, and you can do that at thatsoberguy.com, and you can also do that at patreon.com slash soberguyradio. When you support the show through Patreon, which is a great platform that allows our audience to directly support us, which is pretty fucking rad, 
Uh, you're going to get the new show Real with Jess and I. And uh, this week, we talked about PMS. PMS for you ladies out there. How fucking crazy is PMS and trying to deal with that shit in a, um, in a, a relationship, in an environment where you have a spouse uh, who, if you're like me, you don't really understand it. You try to. You try to act like you do, but you have no clue. Um, it can be a tough thing. We also talked about giving up control and uh, drinking around an alcoholic spouse. Like when we go out, Jess might have a glass of wine. How does that affect me? How do we deal with that? How have we grown uh, from, you know, first getting sober and, uh, and how, um, it is today. So, uh, once again, you can check the real show out by going to, uh, patreon.com slash sober guy radio and become a patron, help support the show. Now we're going to get to Erica in just one more minute, but first let's do our iTunes review of the week. All right. This review comes from Matt and it's titled this podcast saved my life, which is humbling to say the least. Um, and it says, uh, I can honestly say that Sober Guy Radio has had a direct impact on my recovery, providing that extra push I needed to get and stay clean and sober. Shane is an amazing and fresh voice, sharing an enormous amount of life-changing information in an honest and often hilarious way. Even if you are not struggling with addiction or in recovery, I swear you will learn all kinds of amazing stuff about the world and about yourself. Matt, thanks so much, man. That's that's one of my favorite uh, favorite reviews and just some really kind words and... um you know, those are the, those are the types of messages and feedback that really keep, keep me going and, and putting the work into this, um, to this operation. Um, it's a lot of work to operate this thing. And I say that in, in the most grateful, um, and, um, and, and with a smile on my face, I guess, because it can get gnarly at times, but there's nothing more I would, I would really rather be doing in my life right now, professionally, um, than, you know, than, than being able to, um, to have a platform like this, to connect with such awesome people and uh, really share some of my thoughts and experiences and, uh, also listen to others who have, um, you know, similar experiences and thoughts and all that good stuff. So thanks again, Matt, much appreciated. Um, let's get to the, let's get to the show now with Erica. What a, what a great uh, conversation we had. I'm really excited to share it with you. So without further ado, here's Erica Spiegelman. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in today to Sober Guy Radio. Today we're talking with Erica Spiegelman. And Erica is an addiction and wellness specialist, a motivational speaker and author. She's also the creator and host of Rewired Radio. Erica, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm happy to be here with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm stoked to have you on today. Um, you recently had me on Rewired Radio, and I greatly appreciate that. It was a good time chatting with you and uh, getting to share a little bit on your platform. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You were fantastic. It was an honor. It was so much fun. It was. It was. It was It was good times for sure. It's always good to talk some recovery talk and talk life. Yes. Um, so I kind of, uh, I think this, this first question is always um, kind of a, I don't know, I guess it's an honest, an honest one. Uh, there can be some comedy behind it at times I find too. Um, I mean, we've all, we've all experienced some crazy ass things in the time when we were, uh, active in our substance abuse and, um, the craziness of that lifestyle. Uh, what's one thing that stands out to you that really defines like the sheer madness of addiction and, uh, something that, that really, um, that really stood out to you in your life and in your path down that road? Um, well, the craziest, I mean, there's, there's so many like external things that obviously went on 
blacking out, drunken nights, leaving, you know, losing things, having crazy people in your house, you know, I mean, all those kind of good, good things. But I think for me, like the most, what I, when I talk about crazy, it's more of the internal lows for me that really like perplex me and astound me, like of how did that happen, you know? And And that's what I like encourage clients I work with and just in general when I wrote my book Rewired what what that was really about was like you don't have to necessarily have like an accident or a DUI or something like insane happen although some of us do but for me I really felt like the internal bottom was really insane like I was pretty hopeless and I think I remember waking up with this is what stands out and this is the memory I keep in the front of my mind so that I don't forget And, and even nine years later this is still like in the forefront is that I like woke up and like had wine next to my bed, which I had been probably drinking about five o'clock in, in you know in the morning at that yeah. point. Um, and I remember it was like eight o'clock, and I like reached I reached over like to see if it was water and it was wine. And I remember just drinking it like with the conscious with the conscious decision <laughs> of drinking it, yeah. you know. And I was like just woke up, and that's when I started to really I sat on the stairs, and I had been drinking like during the day during at that point too. And I sat on the stairs in San Francisco, my hands were shaking. And I was just like thinking of like how soon I can get to the liquor store to get wine. And is that guy going to think it's strange that I'm going to get more and he knows me and you know, all those kind of thoughts. But, but it was that moment I was like, God, please help me out of this. Like, I can't even keep my hands straight. Like I, you know, and I was, my mom was calling me and I was making excuses how I couldn't see her. So that kind of stuff is really to me like the craziness that, you know, waking, like now waking up in the morning and not having to worry about my mom calling me or worrying about me or seeing someone or someone smelling me or like, you yeah. know, like I know those things a, is such a blessing. It's yeah. a lot of work. It's a lot of work to stay high or to, to stay intoxicated, you know, like the, the yeah, lengths that we go hidden. through. Yeah. Yeah. The secretive part of it, uh, I know it was a big, um, you know, it was a big kind of emotional thing for myself, um, you know, yeah. and having to hide it and having to have those thoughts on how am I, how am I going to go about this? Like you said, walking in, like, is the guy going to know, you know, it's, it's six in the morning and I'm coming right in to, to buy more. Right. Um, so like, was that a real surrender moment for you? Or did you have any of those moments before where you had tried to, where you had tried to quit? Um, yeah. and then were unsuccessful at it and that cycle just kind of repeats itself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a, that was a real, honestly, like come to Jesus moment for me on on those stoop and that stoop of of just feeling, I can't even tell you, but it was like this pit feeling of hopelessness that I had never felt was like the lowest I felt emotionally and spiritually, just spiritually dead. And, and, and I like remember that so distinctly because I was so upset by it, but that was a moment where I I actually asked, I said, God, please help me out loud, which, you know, I I had those conversations in my head, like you have a problem, you need help or how are you going to get through this one? Or how are you going to, you know, like just negotiating with myself. But at that point saying it out loud, I think it, it held me more accountable in a weird way. And I put it out to the universe, but you know, I did. I tried to get, you know, my mom was for years like, you're not happy. You're drinking too much. Your drinking's a problem. You're, it's a problem. And I kept denying it and hiding it and making excuses. And no, I'll get therapy. No, I'll start working out. No, I'll start doing this, you know, negotiating yeah. with her. And I remember the first time I, I, deci- I told her I'd get help. And I, I was going to an IOP program just just straight from drinking literally to some stupid IOP program that didn't really work. I was, you know, I went for a, t- two times to a group meeting. There was no individual therapy. It was just a group. And uh, the third time I showed up there, like, you know, after having a couple glasses of wine, and then I just, just stopped going. And when she, they called her to tell you know, to see where I was. And then I came home and she was like, you're not going now. And then, then, yeah. So, I mean, I, 
I tried and, and it didn't work. And, you know, and I think I just, you know, I had to get to my own bottom, which I did and went into treatment. And then after that, I really did. I stayed, I stayed sober. So, you know, I, I tried it. I tried it once, didn't work, you know, kept drinking. And then I, I was like, I got to get literally out of my environment. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. And, and that was the, the saving grace. I know like, I know for me, there was, um, and probably for a lot of us out there who have substance abuse issues or depression issues, any kind of mental health issues, um, you know, we've had some things happen to us or grew up in, in pretty unstable environments as, uh, during when our, when we were kids, Mm -hmm. um, was there anything that, that kind of affected you when you were growing up that, um, that you think maybe had something to play with the path that you went down into um, using drugs and alcohol to kind of deal with past experiences or any events like that? Yeah, that's a great question. I I get this question from my clients all the time, the ones that are just Mm -hmm. getting sober. How did I get this way? How did this happen? Um, My parents divorced when I was like seven years old, eight years old. And and it was, I think it was very, it was traumatic for me. And, And also my mom, is, is the best and she's the most loving, but she really never liked when I was upset or emotional. So nothing was ever talked about. I wasn't like, Hey, honey, you upset? Our family's getting separated. You know, like I, I wasn't, I was always like, I felt like I always had a smile and put a brave face on. And if I was sad, I didn't want to disappoint anybody. So I went through that period of time being really, really upset. I remember crying in my room by myself, but, but putting on a brave smile and a mask like to everyone else. And I think that's where the, where the fragmentation started for myself. Um, and then when I found like, you know, pot and drinking at like 12, that, you know, 13, I mean, that was kind of, uh, it was kind of to, to like, Oh, this feels better. And I feel like I belong. And, you know, and I think I have a genetic disposition to addiction. Also my, I have, you know, a history of people in my family that have drank and problematically, um, from what I know. And, and so I think the divorce being a little traumatic combined with starting at a young, young age and then having like that peer attunement and like normalized by peers and feeling the relief of that combined with the genetic component combined with a curious nature. Um, I think that's, that was it. And then, you know, I went to a college that's like the biggest party school in the United States. Um, so that didn't do I Let's immediately thought of Chico, but I, that, that no. might just be my Northern California bias. So I don't Chico know. <laughs> is, I went to university of Arizona in okay. Tucson, which okay, is another big, big one, but yeah, yeah. Chico is a, is a party school, but yeah, the university of Arizona, it's, you know, a warm 360 days a year and yeah. it's in Tucson. And that's the only thing that goes on in Tucson is, you know, the college and the bars. So yeah, it's kind of like a, almost like a, um, expected thing to do huh? yeah yes. like, this is kind of like what you do you just party and you i mean you try to go to school and oh man that's that's crazy um so what do you think was i mean what was there a defining moment for you that that really like when did it get when did it get really bad was it after college like where you started to kind of really die because you know how I guess what I'm getting at you know how it goes from it goes yeah. from fun like having a good time like I party like yeah. I, I do that and then like it goes to this whole different place right. and perspective where it's just dark totally totally yeah absolutely I through college I started to you know I mean I knew my inner voice pretty I mean I've always been pretty connected to, to who I was but I, I still you know put it aside but I knew that it was getting to be a problem I, I liked it more than others I was the last kind of one standing the one that you know but but yeah, after college, I, I moved to New York City, and 
that was it. That was the beginning of the end. And, and I just, you know, was living in New York, didn't, didn't have any direction, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I, I, you know, like didn't know what to do for work. And I started going out every night, meeting random people and, you know, yeah. like had a, I don't even know. I was living by myself going, I mean, literally going out seven nights a week till five in the morning every day for, for years, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. there was no day off. And, and that, I think that physical addiction that started with the shaking and the anxiousness and like, you know, the dependency of like, I can't even get through a day without like, when am I going to be able to put alcohol in my system? I mean, physically I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I, I look back and I feel really blessed that I was physically attacked so fast because it, it kind of pro like propelled me to actually get help because I couldn't even really function. Really? Um, yeah, well, I mean, that's it was interesting. A, it was a, like I talked to some people that you know are, were alcoholics too, or, or had a problem with alcohol, and they're like, "God, I mean, I drank as much as you did. I didn't shake, but I did. I had a physical reaction to alcohol. Yeah. It was like my nerves were like wearing away almost. And wow. yeah, and so after that, you know, I came, I lived there for a couple of years, burnt out, and then moved back to San Francisco. My mom was like, "You're not happy. You're coming home. Like you're not the same. Something's wrong." And I moved back to San Francisco, and that was it got into a very like a horrible relationship using and a, a very unhealthy person and unhealthy communication. And, and yeah. that, that was bad. And, and, and I was drinking, like, again, I started in the, with the daytime drinking and hiding in gay bars and like thought I was cool, cool to like just be with gay men because they weren't going to like, you know, care about me or yeah. hit yeah. on me or whatever. So I, I, but I mean, it was like living a double life. I mean, it was seriously very, um, scary yeah, it sometimes yeah for sure yeah for sure. It's, it's, uh, um like i know you know in, when we're when we're in our when we're living that lifestyle too it can be a very a very like selfish phase of our lives or, mm -hmm. or um i had an interview this morning and someone asked me they said um you know like did you ever did you ever want to help people before like you got sober? Like, did you ever have interest in like, sir? And, and I'm not saying I'm, that I was like some cold hearted, like prick or anything by any means, but like the, the concept of like service work to me, um, or of like going outside of my box to help other people was really non-existent at the time. Like I was still stuck in that, in that life. Mm -hmm. um, did you have any concept to that? Or was that something that enticed you? And I guess the reason that I asked you this is, um, is obviously, you know, you have a, a multimedia platform. Now you're able to give back and to help a lot of other people out there who are going through this. Was that something that you had in mind or was that something that kind of came about after you got clean and sober? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I think life, like the universe, life, God, whatever it is that you feel, it whispers to you at times. And I know when I was very young, I always felt like the person everyone came to for problems. I really did not ask anybody for help about anything. I figured things kind of out on my own. Um, and I always kind of felt like I could be a therapist or something. Like I, I felt yeah. that, but then that was pushed aside for many years. I, I wanted to be in like, you know, I wanted to write, I wanted to be in media and write, which I did. But I never really thought this would happen until, until you know, actually, I always, I can't even tell you, I was the, the person in all the group of friends that I was the one, go to Erica for help, ask Erica what she thinks. So I naturally, I'm the oldest child, I have all younger siblings, all younger cousins, everybody relied on me. You know, I was the one that took care of people. So I, I felt it was in my nature. And, and so like, as I went to treatment, I actually was in treatment for about a week uh -huh. at the treatment center. And this older man who was volunteering on the campus came up to me 
and he like looked at me. It was like an angel. It was weird. He's like, he's like, you are going to help people. And I said, yes, I am. And, and that was it. And like, I knew in a heartbeat that I wanted to be, I, I was watching one of the counselors at the treatment center and I said, that's it. That's what I'm going to be. Yeah. And I asked her about how I asked her about this KDAC program and she told me about it. And I said, that's it. I'm doing it. And, and I like, I, that was it. It was, there was no, I moved to LA right after I got help in Palm Springs and I moved to LA, started fresh, got an apartment with somebody, signed up for UCLA's KDAC, you know, addiction program, counseling uh-huh. program. And that was it. But I, it was like, it just came to me like that was it. it was, there was no, it was so clear, yeah. you know, well, like it was like, like it's meant to be. So, I mean, that, that's, oh, it that's was the meant will. To be. It yeah, is meant to be. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I almost so cool. think the addiction happened also yeah. so that I can relate. I mean, you know, you're working with people that are going through this kind of uh, trauma or this kind of identity shift or life change. It really resonates on a different level when someone's w- taking your hand, walking you out, because they've come out yeah, like, yeah. you know, it, there's something about that. Um, well, you know, and, and we it's... feel so alone that like when somebody finally says, no, I've been there. Like, you're like, fuck, thank God. So you're like yeah, a relief. You I can know? do it too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Like I've just kind of had this realization myself lately because of, you know, my, <clears throat> excuse me, my, my past and things that I've gone through and all, all those, you know, all that, all that stuff, right. All that mm-hmm. stuff that we hold on to. And for forever, you know, it was always used as like this, as like this tool or this weakness, I guess. But I've began to see that it's such a powerful thing. And I'm really proud of like where I've came from and because it's made me who I am today. And it just, right. sound, that just reminds me of, you know, what you're talking about right now. It's, I think it's very, it, it relates to that in, in the same kind of thing. Like you were put on this path to go through the things you went through and then end up um, going back to school to become an addiction counselor and help people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I, I think a lot of people to kind of shift gears here too. Mm-hmm. Man, like when we when we think about getting sober, getting cleaned up, a lot of people think, "Well, what the fuck am I going to do?" Like that's a boring ass life. All I know how to do is go out and you mm-hmm. know, I want to I want to drink to socialize. Like I back to the communication thing you mentioned earlier. I have to drink to communicate. That's that's mm-hmm. how it is for a lot of people. They don't know how they don't know who mm-hmm. they are, and so they don't know how to like have a healthy conversation that's not based around a substance. What are some things that you do for fun uh, to be adventurous, to get out there, like to mm-hmm. be, you know, have a, yeah. have a happy, sober life. Right. I tell, yeah, I, I talk about this a lot. A great question. And I, and I, what I attribute this to is that desire to act out, you know, like we're all the bad boy inside <laughs> you, the bad girls. Like, no, we like, the, you know, acting out doesn't just stop. That's what I yeah. like want people to lean into this. Like, yeah, we're, y- you need to un- cultivate and understand that you're still going to want to enjoy, act out, be in awe, be inspired. So I tell people like, you know, yeah, you don't, you know, they'll always say, Oh, my, my life's so boring now. I'm like, are you kidding me? This boring. That means that you're not doing enough, you know? And so (laughs) that's the problem is that I think, well, you know, for people that, that are kind of struggling with this, I know it's a real thing. And, and, and I think a tip or, you know, would be to like challenge yourself to try something new every single week, like just one thing new, whether it's like, I've never taken a surf lesson. Okay, I'm going to do that just one day. Like do something new one day. Take a hike one day. Mm-hmm. Listen to some music you've never listened to. Cook something. Learn a language. Go travel. Do You know, like there's so many different things we can do. And I think that 
acting out gets quenched. Like I think that that desire for that gets quenched by being inspired. So if you're not inspiring yourself and you can inspire yourself by working out, you can inspire yourself by like taking care of yourself. Like that's, that too is like something you didn't do when you were using, you know, like go, go take a, a, a three mile run and see how you feel. And you'll be proud of yourself. You can't believe you did that. You'll feel you know, endorphins will be running. Like that's, that's pretty inspiring, you know, or go see a talk or read a book or go to a meditation meeting or I don't know, but there's, there's a lot that that you can do. And I know it's not parting, but you know what? Half the time you're having meaningless conversations. It's not a fulfilling life. I mean, this stuff is more fulfilling. It'll fill you up and it'll, you'll stay full. Yeah. Yeah. Go, like you said, go run a three and a half you know, mile run and then check that runner's high out afterwards. That shit yeah. is amazing. Like, right. <laughs> right. Like, wow. Like I, you know, you experience that and it's real, you know, it's not, right. it's not BS small talk that you're not going to remember the next right. day. Um, Shouting with someone at a bar, you know, for no reason, like that's not going to make, it's <laughs> not going to make you have a meaningful life. Yeah. Take, no, you know? not, yeah. not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, well, from previously talking to you a little bit, uh, before today, I also learned mm. that you're a big music lover. Um, yeah. I know you just got back from a big festival. Um, yeah. so that, that's been a huge part of my life as well. And one of the transitions in, you know, uh, when you go to a concert for most people, you go there and you drink and you have fun and you rock out and you listen to music, right? Or at least that's what we used to do. How right. has that changed? Like going to a concert and being sober now? Yeah. I mean, music is like my, first of all, music saved me also. Like, like I, I grew up singing, I grew up studying musical theater, going to musical theater camps. And Uh I mean, music was part of my, my heart always. And I remember when I was using it and especially in in the later years of like, probably the last five years of my using, you know, I, I literally lost music, had no, or I would listen to it sad and drunk, but I wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't, it wasn't like it used to be. And so I remember when I got sober, my first month, like at the treatment center, I was walking around and just starting exercise for the first time in decades. And I was like walking around, I put music on and I was like, Holy, this back, it's back. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like I was so happy to have it back. And ever since then, it's been just like something that in sobriety makes, fills me up, makes me feel connected makes me feel alive. And, and it's, it's difficult. Like at first it wasn't, it's not difficult about being around people that are drinking. It was kind of difficult for me to to kind of walk through the fear of, of like, what's this going to yeah. be like? The anxiety yeah. of it. This is the pre preemptive anxiety of like, how am I going to feel being present? But I'm telling everybody that's listening, like you build that muscle. Like it's so much more inspiring and it's so much more fulfilling too, to, to be at a concert and actually remember it. I mean, I went to concerts. I don't remember. Like I went, yeah. I literally went to an <laughs> opera first in San Francisco and I don't remember one thing. I think I, I don't, I honestly don't even, I remember I was there, but that was about it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't want, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. And so I, it started to become something where I was like, this is awesome. And I could go and I could bring an iced tea. I could bring a sparkling water. I could even bring a sparkling water and fresh squeezed grapefruit juice in a lime yeah. or pineapples cut up and put it in my drink. Like I, I create like the best you know, alcohol-free cocktails ever. And I like, and people always, <laughs> cool. and even dating, you know, and when I, I was, you know, been single pretty much my whole sobriety. So like, or I've been in relationships, but still like dating and stuff, it's, it's, you know, I've had to actually tackle what that that's going to be like. And yeah. how can I, you know, so people will say, Oh, well, do you want me for a drink? Oh yeah, you don't drink. And I'm like, 
yeah, I, I have a drink. I know what to drink. Like I don't drink alcohol, but I can't, I can still go to a bar or sit at a lounge. Like yeah. I'm not going to stay there till two in the morning, but I'm not going to not live. Exactly. You know? Oh, so a, yeah. That's such a great point. Um, that I love that you just said that I'm not going to not live. Like we still have to live life. Like we still yeah. have to, just cause know, I don't put it, ethanol in my body. <laughs> <laughs> you know? oh, yeah, right. Damn. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. I love it. Um, well, we talked a little bit about your personal life. I appreciate you sharing and being open about that. Um, yeah. I know you're the founder of EricaSpiegelman.com. Tell <laughs> us a little bit about your multimedia platform, uh, your book, the radio show. Um, can you get into that a bit? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, it's my website just that just has, you know, all the information on the things that I'm doing in the world of health and wellness and recovery. And my book Rewired was published last year. Um, by Random House and Hatherley Press. And it was just an amazing experience to be able to share my, you know, my take on sobriety. And, and also it, what it is, is just training your brain for healthier habits and your heart, uh, new, you know, getting understanding, getting to know yourself and creating new principles for your life. Because what I valued when I was using is not what I value now, you know? Yeah, and so yeah. that's what I talk about. My book is authenticity and honesty and healthy relationships and how to have good time management. So all the chapters could, it doesn't matter if you're an AA, if you're not an AA, if you're studying Buddhism, it doesn't matter what it is that is helping you spiritually. It's, it's also, this is about understanding who you are and what your truth is and what your path could be. We all have different paths to sobriety. And and I didn't find a lot of literature when I was reading like a crazy person when as I was getting yeah. sober on, on anything that was like, Hey, how can you create your own path? And that's how I, I got sober was I created, I could literally created my own path. So the book is there to help people create theirs. And so that was a really wonderful opportunity that I, I was able to to have by it being published. And then from there, I started doing a lot of radio. Um, I did clean radio for a while. Um, yeah, I remember got, you saying that. I, that. That was a that was a great platform. Um, yeah. You had it was, Pat with Pat O'Brien, right? Right. Yeah. I did it with Pat and Andrew Spanswick. And yeah. it was just fun to be on live radio out of ABC Studios. And first with awesome. CBS. Yeah. And so I, I was like, oh my God, that was a high for me. The first show I ever did live, I was co-hosting and I was like, Oh my God, I was flying, you know? <laughs> and I was like, I want this. I want yeah. this daily. I want this in my life. How do I get this? And and so, you know, with time and patience and putting it out there in the universe, I always encourage, put it out there. Like ask people, like there is nothing that could happen if you ask somebody, they'll maybe they'll say no, but what if they say yes, then yeah. what, what's there to lose? There's nothing to lose, you know? Yeah. So I just, I did that and, and, and thank God this radio show kind of came up and, and happened and then, you know all the other, all the other good things and counseling people in between all these years too. Yeah. I love that. I love that you just pointed that out too. Like, you know, we have to put effort in and nothing is just going to come to us. Like we have to go get it. And so for us to stand up and go after it, what we want, um, that's how we're going to accomplish things in our, in our life. And I appreciate you pointing that out because I think, I think too many of us, um, you know, and I'll, I'll, let me speak for myself, actually. I think for a lot of years, I wasted a lot of time sitting back waiting for something to come to me. And it right. just doesn't happen like that. Right. Um, you know, we have to get out there and hustle and go get what, what we want. Um, right. Such a good point. Let's... um. Let's uh let's let's dive into this. I got the heart and hustle round here, okay? So yeah. wh what this is um and <laughs> and uh it's you put your heart into each answer but kind of hustle it up in a minute or so for each question. Is that cool? Sure. All right. So let's let's roll with this. Fun. So yeah. <laughs> um so the first question and it's kind of this is one of my favorite ones. I it, it just is. 
Where's the weirdest place you've ever thrown up? Oh my God. <laughs> Honestly, Cancun, Mexico. <laughs> maybe not weird. Maybe typical. Yeah. <laughs> That's the last time I think I did. All right. Yeah. Um, what about the weirdest place you've ever woken up? Oh my God. In a random person's house in New York city with like cats all over me. <laughs> <laughs> that would not be as odd. And it did not cats. smell good in there. Either. Oh my like, gosh. Get me out of here. Nothing yeah. worse than a, a, a house full of shit cat litter. Damn. <laughs> no shit. In some strange man's house. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That is crazy. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a better one I've heard. I think. <laughs> um, all right. So number two, Erica, what's the best thing about being sober? Freedom, the freedom of everything. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Freedom emotionally, physically. I mean, just mentally, mentally, mental freedom, yeah. not being having, you know, to be chained by a thought or yeah. a physical urge. Yeah. What are you drinking? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping it was one of those awesome cocktail, them non-alcoholic. Actually, yeah, I do. I have a little bit of pomegranate juice in it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Got to get creative, you know? Yes. Yeah, um, what's, What's one thing you know now you wish you you wish you would have known at the beginning of your sobriety? Um, hmm. That that mm, I think beautiful things just keep you know multiplying. Really, hmm. yeah. All right, number four. How do you stay sober? Good question. Um, by taking care of myself, I take care of myself. I make my bed every day. I, you know, I sound silly, but I, I take a shower. I exercise. I make sure healthy people are in my life. I speak my truth. I communicate honestly. I think all of that is, falls under self-care. I mean, it, it's self-care emotionally, mentally, physically. And as long as I could stay as balanced as possible or, or recognize when I'm out of balance and, and address it by communicating or address it by you know, leaning yeah. more into my spirituality, my reading or my running or whatever that is that I need to do. I have a pretty good system of keeping the mind, body and spirit balanced. So I just, if I, if I let that go though, which it, there's been times where I have let it go, that's when I start to see, um, kind of that feeling of, you know, anxiety comes up. Yeah. 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 It's funny. Cause like we know, we know what we're supposed to do, but sometimes mm -hmm. it's a challenge like to actually take action and do it. Sometimes, yeah. You know? Well, we're human. I think of the longer, yeah. I mean, this is my ninth year in sobriety and I think this is the most challenging year. Really? Oh yeah. Really? That's crazy. Oh my God. So challenging. So challenging. Yeah. Um, what if, if there's someone out there listening who is maybe they're early on in their, in their sobriety and their recovery, um, or maybe they are contemplating. Maybe they mm -hmm. want, maybe they want to make some changes and uh, clean up. Uh, what advice would you give them? I, I would ask, I would ask them to ask themselves this, you know, are you ready to stop betraying yourself? Like life is so short and to keep betraying your own heart, your own greatest potential, um, your own health, you know, do you really want that? And if the answer is no, then reach out to me, reach out to a counselor or a therapist or reach out to uh, you know, treatment center. There's so many places in AA meeting. There's so many people here to help you. And I think that, you know, if, if they could just connect with their hearts right now and, and if, if like this self betrayal of, you know, like not giving themselves a chance to live their best life is it keeps coming up and that shame keeps coming up. I would ask them to, to reach out. Yeah, sure. Yeah. There's lots of resources out there for sure. And speaking of that, um, where can, where can anyone listening find out more information about you, Erica? Yeah, they can email me at Erica at Erica Spiegelman.com. Um, or uh, Erica Spiegelman 
www.ericaspiegelman.com. I have, you know, a place people could write to me there or they email me. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm available. I have my, my shows on rewired radio. Uh, it's on radiomdactually.com every, every Friday at 11 AM Pacific standard time. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm accessible. People could call me even. I do a free 15 minute consultation. If people have questions or even want to just see if they need some help, I will assess it and, and have a nice heart to heart with you for 15 minutes for free. You just sign up on ericaspiegelman.com. That's awesome. And yeah, definitely check out Rewired Radio. It's an awesome resource. A lot of great guests and content on there. Um, I just, before we go, Erica, I just yeah. had this crazy ass picture in my mind that you're going to create like this non-alcoholic drink book one day. I'm seeing it. A bunch of drinks in there with like crazy ass concoctions that are like really, really good. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. It's so funny. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. I'm, I, I think that's a beautiful idea. I've always enjoyed like cookbooks and things like that. Yeah. I think that would be very cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on and sharing uh, Thank your you. thoughts and everything with us today on Silver Guy Radio. Much appreciated. It's great to have you. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure.